Silly Goose Gang Podcast. There we go, and we're back. Episode 58 of the Silly Goose Gang Podcast, and we're joined today by Claire Tracy on a Sunday morning. So, Claire, thanks for waking up so early and getting on a podcast with us on a Sunday morning. Yeah, um, I'm grateful you asked me to come on, so thanks for having me. <laughs> well, uh, probably threefold. So, firstly, you're a, a very well... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I just, I just I'm, I'm like three seconds in. I've already had a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> you're, a, you're a very good strength and conditioning coach. You probably have the best Instagram stories on <laughs> on the internet, and you're probably the original silly goose. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we're, we have to. So, yeah. How are How are you? I'm good. Yeah, surviving lockdown. Grateful that I can coach. Um, and yeah, just trying to plod through, I guess. But where is it now? Is it is it Gloucester? Is that right? Uh, yeah. So I'm I work at Gloucestershire University. I'm living in Cheltenham. Um, oh. so it's kind of a big move. I miss Scotland a lot. Um, oh. And yeah, and like all my friends and like where I've worked and um, but it, I, for my job and stuff, like it was a really good move. Um, I feel like already it's like opened up so many different opportunities and yeah so I'm happy that I've made the move. Yeah I don't know I don't I don't I I never went to university and I wasn't clever enough to go so I don't know much about universities but (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't it seems like um seems like St Andrews because you were at St Andrews before so that seems like that would have been a really cool place to to work as well though. Yeah uh, St Andrews was really fun that was like my first full-time specific S&C one before that I was kind of like loads of contracts and working with different people and um, working with Origin as well for ages mm-hmm. like gym equipment but uh, that was my first full-time job so I felt like I made it when I went there <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was such an amazing place I think obviously like the, the people that it attracts like everybody's so polite and it was just mm-hmm. a really nice mm-hmm. atmosphere to be in like you didn't come across any like idiots and um yeah it was just a really nice atmosphere and then from then that's when I thought okay how am I going to progress and now it's like a mixed role of like teaching and and coaching so um yeah it's quite does how like how recent is the like taking like strength and conditioning coaches into university because that seems like seems like universities now have like really awesome setups where I don't like, like when did that become a thing because I can't imagine that was a thing like in the 80s um yeah so I remember when I first started kind of thinking about S&C so I'd randomly done an art degree and <laughs> um then graduated and thought well why did I do that and then I, I went back and did my physiology degree but bef- in that gap I'd done like this rowing course so it's like just uh, like a level two coaching qualification and the guy that ran that he uh, he was an SNC coach and a rower um, and he he was running another course through the same company probably a really good salesman as well <laughs> obviously got me on the other course <laughs> um but he was he I told him that I was going back and doing physiology and he was like but do you know what you want to do though like because 
just going back to do another four-year degree in sports science which is quite like general he's like generally you should probably have some idea of what you want to go into especially because I wasn't 17 anymore I was like what I mean still young at 21 but you know um and he's like well I'm running this S&C course and it'll give you a taste of what it is so I did it and like I loved it and it was only like a level two thing so obviously it's not like um everything that you learn as a coach but it gave me a taster and so then that meant I went back into uni with an idea of what I wanted to do with S&C so at that time he was like oh S&C like it's not big um but it's it's going to be like it's it's, mm. it's definitely going to be the next big kind of um area of like sports science and it's that was definitely true so that was maybe um 20 11 so 2011 or so mm. um and it yeah it wasn't very big then and I remember mm. like he worked for the Glasgow School of Sport and I think that was probably the first school that ever had anything like that yeah um and that was a really cool setup and universities here I don't think had any of that um at that point and that's when I went into Glasgow and I was trying to help like the rowing team and stuff and um, I think from around that time in the past 10 years that's maybe when everything started to just go yeah. boom and we're yeah. copying the American system and stuff. Yeah. Def and def definitely makes sense because I did sports sciences as well I've got a degree in just mm. like, general sports sciences I never specialised but I did mines like basically a decade before you because I'm old um, <laughs> but I did I did mine at Napier Falkirk College and then Napier back in the day um, and that was like 99 to 0102 and there was very few strength and conditioning roles at all in the UK at that point unless you were literally working with like GB Olympics yeah. Commonwealth or maybe down at Loughborough at the time because yeah. they were kind of the, the forerunners of it but there was definitely nothing in Scotland um, even I know Stirling had have recently added it I think but they didn't even have their full sports program at that time when yeah. I was studying my degree way back in the the early 01s yeah I think <laughs> so I think um it was like the Scottish Institute that probably it started with first and then some rugby and like Gil Stevenson do you guys know Gil I know Gil yeah uh, yeah I know he, I remember him very briefly from Petrivi yeah I so remember him being, I remember him being quite grumpy at me for some reason <laughs> <laughs> he's uh do you when you know him he's literally like see he kind of has not mentored me like specifically but he's been a big role in my career he's helped me he's educated me a lot and um he's I see him as like the godfather of like SNC <laughs> and I feel like he probably brought it up here almost like mm -hmm. he's been an SNC coach I think maybe just shy of like 40 years or something so it has been going yeah. for a long time but it's just maybe not been labeled s and c and been yeah. so popular and um yeah, like i know um i haven't spoke well we spoke to ian ian Mackey on the podcast ian's a ian's a friend of mine as well like he obviously went to atlanta 96 and ian ian always did i don't think they called it strength and conditioning like you say but he was doing like super heavy cleans and everything like early 90s um yeah. he was jacked but it, like it wasn't strength and conditioning it was just i think maybe ian had his own interest in it but like i mean when i was 
boxing, like when I started boxing, like two thousand and eight, um, like all the old guys were still like, "Yep, wear your wear your working boots and go for a long run, put a black bag, get a good sweat on, <laughs> and uh, don't lift weights." And it's like now you look back, you fucking morons. What are you talking yeah. about? Um, and it's amazing, like in that, like like ten, twelve years, how far like it's it shifted. It's amazing. It has, it's really like good. it's it's great. Like um, how big, like organizations like the UKSA has influenced stuff, and um, now just the fact you know, like social media and like the, your link to the world and all of this information, and um, I think it has just boomed, and it's really good because it's not just now pro sport it's you know there's areas of like the UKCA are trying to do like special interest groups for all of these different areas of it so like I'm involved in one for universities and then they've got like the school one but they're trying to push it into like health as well Mm. you know so it's not just pro sport you know it can help everyone so it's really cool because like private schools now like most private schools and a lot of like public schools is is it public private or is public the same as private (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) anyway a lot of like private schools have definitely jumped on the bandwagon like the setups there and some of them with the money they have is crazy um like my boyfriend worked at one and i went and visited it and they've got the i think they've got the second biggest rowing club there and they have a rowing tank and their gym is ginormous and it's it's ridiculous and then yeah i think you know other schools i think they're jump it's, it's good it's like a huge mm. development yeah definitely i know um like when i, I went to kenross high school and once they, they didn't knock the school down because i left but they, they built a new school <laughs> <laughs> they built a new school and like the, the sports of like and there are amazing now um so it's like i think when they build new schools they're going to try and put in like better facilities for this kind of stuff because um yeah, like I think it was uh, Andy. Do you know Andy Smith? Um, from Lift, Lift Gym. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. So Andy, you know, in his quest to get gyms back open, he had posted yeah. the like the, the figures for like obesity in Scotland, and it was like sixty-eight percent. And it's like this is holy shit. Oh, sorry. It's okay, you can swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It's not PC rated. <laughs> Um, um, uh, uh, yeah, he posted those those figures, and it was one of those things where I like I didn't like are those real? You know, Scottish government figures like sixty eight percent of Scottish people are overweight or obese. Uh, So there's like something has to be done like an early age to get kids moving about and you know stop eating skittles and skips and coke basically. Um, So that is a huge thing, like. like kids are just now sitting in front of TVs playing games and lockdown's not helping with that and it's just like it it's education for the parents to actually feed their kids as well I think and look after their kids like some of the parents just don't know so then it's just patterns passed on to generations and um yeah I think it is it is good like if I do you know Helen um my god her my name is just Helen, ah, oh, she's my friend. I just lost her second name. She is doing a PhD in like S and C with like youth, but she's doing it on a health, um, the health side of it, like the health benefits, and that's really interesting. And it's like just trying to pull in kids who aren't in sport 
into that and the effects it have it has on like just confidence and like everything so it's not even like the physical benefits like the mental benefits of it and stuff as well and um how she's talked about like how this is that then led those kids to feel confident to go and like play sport and yes. so it's kind of like a a happy cycle of like they're getting healthier but then they're getting the confidence to go and do other stuff to make them even more healthier and um yeah i think it yeah mm-hmm. i can't believe it's 68 percent it's obese that's crazy yeah, I know. It's that's, that was a that's the, you know that's one of the things where uh andy was on his, his quest where you know a few other people around about the country to get gyms open and yeah and was, you know coming out with the numbers and it's staggering like outrageous and it's you know there's it, it very little transmission of covid within gyms yeah uh, but the sh- shutting down gyms uh the country's obese and now i think yeah the, i think it was on uh it was on it wasn't on the way to the gym on uh, sorry it wasn't on the way to Seattle on Friday because that would have been illegal but uh, on the way someplace on Friday uh you know there was something about the suicide rate is now huge and we're obese but McDonald's can open and takeaways can still be open but the gym is shut and you go this doesn't make like yeah. this is it's completely insane so um but yeah that's uh an insane number so we need to everybody do something about that I don't know like, I know yeah I I I see both sides like obviously I'm a fan of the gym so I want it to be open and you see how people like you see both types of people in there I think you see people cleaning and people really like I'll go in clean it go like do my thing then clean it uh, like what you're meant to do and try and keep the distance but then there is some people that I've seen that are still in there with like just not you know it's not following the rules so like, i see both sides of the story and like like where is you know is there ev- like is there evidence that that is that stuff has been spread in there but it's also just trying to limit interaction with people as well so i, I see both sides of the story mm. like um i'm obviously pro opening them because mentally i think it'll help a lot of people yeah. not just physically i think mentally as well like um but yeah, I don't know. I just wish it was all be over. Open, open, open the gym, but don't be minky. Clean up after yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like I think probably ninety eight percent of the people in there are good. But I know that, like, I was in a gym in uh, Wolverhampton, and I just remember this group of people just standing there around one machine with no masks, doing nothing. I was like, that's not a good, like. Do you know, and so, it's those people that ruin it for everyone yeah. else. But that's 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 like the case with everything in life. Like most people are fine, but it's like you know, there's a, a, a group of a hundred people. One person is going to be a fucking idiot. Yeah, like, just are. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I, I'm never in um, like normal people gyms, but I had to do some. <laughs> no, what stuff. a muggle gym? What's that? <laughs> like a normal person gym. I'm not I'm never a normal person gym. So I was in. Um, I had to go and do some sprints. Uh, it was right before like right before the gym shut again which was like christmas eve no yeah. boxing day sorry boxing day, so it must have been it might well yeah. have been like the 22nd of december i had to go to glenn office uh michael woods to do some uh to do some sprints in the treadmill and uh i went and it was, it was like it's the most stereotypical gym thing like it's like i'm on the treadmill and i was just doing work just ignoring everybody you want it's like a group of guys to this side and they're doing like leg presses but they're like 
uh, two seconds, take a picture of me. And then he's kind of trying to look like tense and up to look like, <laughs> and I can see this. And there's a guy to the other side of me, and it's like all mirrors. And he's just kind of, he's got imaginary lat syndrome, and he's walking back and forward like this. And I can see him eyeballing me. I'm just standing there going, oh my God, this is why I don't come to normal people, gyms. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, the is one of the worst for that. Oh my god, I've never been. Like those gyms are so bad. Um, it was always nice training at Petrivi because it was like all generally all athletes and then me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's just you've got these like normal gyms and it's just like, oh my god, yeah. this is the worst experience of a gym. But then, uh, genuinely, you can understand why somebody would come in, like somebody who's not confident, whether it's a, a guy or a girl who'd go in there and like, I don't, I don't want to be in here. This isn't nice. Do you know what I mean? Because nobody's yeah. friendly. There's not very few people have been friendly. There's loads of, you know, guys who have got tiny little egos and um, or guys who think they're fucking Chuck Norris and uh, it's just <laughs> they're just not nice. It's not a nice environment for people. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what my point was there. But yeah, I was just going on one of my little rants. <laughs> I think that's uh, true, though. I think that has a big impact on people participating in sport as like along with what you were saying Claire the confidence of yeah. and especially for young girls it must be quite intimidating to walk into a gym when there's a group of young guys all swaggering about because I see it even I mean my daughter's not even a teenager yet but she's already starting to disengage from sports as as something that that it's it's boys do it and the girls like sit on the sides and just watch and it, yeah. and it bugs me because my, my wife played sports that's where we met she was a personal trainer as well when we first met um, so we've always been heavily into sports, but Anya just it's has got to that age where a little bit of the social impact's coming in, and she's like, no, no, sports is for boys. Like, I don't want to get sweaty and muddy. I'm like, that, that's that's when it gets fun, though, when you get sweaty and muddy, in, in many situations. <laughs> that is like a, I think, like that is an issue. Like, you obviously see the numbers of, like, ki- females and kids in it. Um, and I, I do, I understand that, like, even though I, I like I'm an SNC coach and I will train people there see if I go into a new gym there is still a little bit of a like I'm a bit nervous going into the weight room I don't know why there's still a little bit of anxiety and that's me knowing exactly what to do so I can totally understand like like a lot of the females that I used to train and I did more PT based off in Edinburgh like that's why they came to me is like they wanted to strength train but they were just mm. nervous yeah, so yeah. then they would come and I would be the person like their shield like taking them into that area basically um and what made me happy was when you see like like I always feel it's not a when someone leaves you as a PT I don't, don't always think it's just they don't want to be with you it's like they feel confident now and that's what happened with some of the girls that I'd worked mm. with is they then felt comf- comfortable enough to actually just go there by themselves and that was really lovely yeah. to see um yeah, yeah have, you ever, a, have you ever have you ever had a, a bro science guy come up to you and try and explain <laughs> you how to lift with your undoubted knowledge while you're in the gym um like i don't i, don't, I can't think of like a huge example um straight straight away i do remember one pt always coming up to me before i worked in this gym in Edinburgh um and I don't know if it was trying to be like bro science it was just being a bit creepy I think but (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a guy (laughs) (laughs) um I don't 
I can't think of it actually. I can't think of someone That's doing it. that to be honest. Oh, there's been things on like Instagram where you post yeah, something yeah. and then someone is like, "Oh, you should be doing it like this," and you're like, "Yeah, okay." okay <laughs> um, not that not that long ago, um, I had done I had a big kind of leg session to do, um, and I was lifting weights at the time at the rugby club in Rosyth, and I can't remember what you know it was. It was you know, whatever it was, some heavy squats, three times three, and then, you know, an AMRAP at whatever it was, 80% of that or something, and then some lunges, and then it was like 400 to do some, like, I think it wasn't a lot, it was like 400, 400, 400 meter sprints after it, and I would have done a Norwood pitch, but it was pouring down, it was pouring down the rain, right? So I'd done all the leg work, which was horrible, and I went, I'm not doing it in the grass, because I was slipping, I don't want to get muddy, so I went, I'll just nip in on the way home to the council gym uh, down the road for me, and I'll just do the sprints there. So I went in, done three minutes of walking a little bit of slow jogging and then just did the four 400s there was a guy and a woman working out right like the guy had like a tiny little guy with a vest on and, and weightlifting gloves and it, i did the 400 i did the four 400s and he just came out he was like and he like is that all you're doing and i was like i you don't know what i've just done you fucking asshole and they were kind of laughing at me but people who did no idea what they were doing, and they were kind of laughing at me because that's all I had done, and I'm just sitting there going, "Would you?" <laughs> but then you can't go and bed, you know the person being actually, I you know just go, yeah. "Okay, thank you." I fucking those guys are the worst. But yeah, it's always you weird. Know, it's always guys, eh? <laughs> yeah, I think like I actually probably can't think of. There's probably loads of instances where something like that's happened, but I've not been in like one of those types of gyms for ages. Like, with my work, I've always had access to, like, a more performance-based gym. So then you don't really get that anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's probably... Lo- I do remember one guy coming up to me one time when I was, was, like, at the PT desk. And he was literally, can you measure my biceps? I was like... <laughs> See, that's what? a bad chat line. That's a bad chat line. That's all that what? is. And like my friend was standing there, and he was like, oh, "Here's a measure. Here's a tape measure." I was like, "You're a <laughs> But that was sorry. I just um, so then I had to freaking go over to the corner and measure this guy's biceps. I was like, "There you go." <laughs> uh, that's just a bad job line. That's all that is. That's a really <laughs> bad. Guy. Yeah, it's um, yeah. This is funny. This is funny because like these. Oh, they, it's amazing how these people get so much. Me and Ali were talking about this the other day. About we've both got friends who are outrageous in the things that they would say to a girl years ago, like in a nightclub. <laughs> yes. And it was like, I can't believe that you've just said that. <laughs> it's like I don't, some people just have outrageous confidence that they don't deserve. Yeah. And it's completely unwarranted, but they have this. <laughs> like, then yeah. you got other people that are just like so nervous about everything it's a it's a it's a sta- human beings are staggeringly fascinating yeah. um just to tell yeah. just to tell one of the stories to give you an idea claire and i won't name <laughs> names in case they listen but a good friend of mine is a is a twin and when we were like way young before i was like with my missus and stuff and uh, when we used to go out clubbing and he would use the chat plane of the fact he was a twin so he would say to lassies when he's chatting to him i'm actually a, a twin which inevitably always leads to the question are you an identical twin yeah. To which he always replied, "Yes, my sister's also six foot three with a massive cock." 
and it used to work so many times it was ridiculous and i would see it coming from a mile off because he'd be chatting and chatting he'd be like I, d I don't know if you know this about me but i'm actually a twin as if some random person's going to know he's a twin on site and of course everyone there asks the identical and it used to work 60 percent of the time worked every time oh my god i think now you'd probably get put in jail for that <laughs> probably, probably. I mean, probably report you and you'd probably end up in jail. I know. As, it was uh, different, different times in '98. <laughs> different times, yeah. Thankfully, um, but yeah. Oh my God! I don't even know where do you go from that. <laughs> I don't know. T t Ten past eleven on a Sunday morning. We're talking about six foot three with a massive cock. Oh my God! <laughs> um, so. Claire, you're Rowan. <laughs> yeah. um, what did you do? Actual like proper Rowan in a boat? I'm assuming, not like a concept two. Was it proper Rowan? <laughs> yeah, it was proper Rowan in a boat. Proper um, maybe for like ten years. Um, it's a really psycho sport. Like mentally, you're probably a bit weird if you do do rowing. <laughs> um, but no, it was great. I got into it because I used to swim, and then. I was, I don't know, I got a bit bored of Simmons. So then I went over because my friend was um, a rower and I used to trampoline with her. So then she just pulled me into it and it was, yeah, I started rowing for 10 years and it fucked my back up. And <laughs> then I quit. <laughs> so sounds like a good career. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've never tried it. I've never tried it uh, like a proper rowing, but. Um... It was, it's addictive. Like, yeah. Like I did a year in Canada as well um, for varsity and that was probably the highest I got and I wanted to do more like I wanted to do like Scotland and GB but I wasn't tall enough I wasn't like I wasn't good enough um, I wished I was good enough probably thought I was at one point but I wasn't um, but yeah it's it's intense um, mm. But it's yeah. so fun, like when you're in the boat and when you're with your crew and you're out in like, I don't know, a Sunday, Saturday morning and it's really fresh and you're out there and it's it's really, it's a really mentally good thing as well. But yeah, yeah. I um, only ever used the concept too and it's, I have a love-hate relationship with the concept too. It's like the best conditioning tool, like roar sprints are the best conditioning tool, I, like even you know, when boxing. I did a lot of sprints last year on the roar before um, Naga Europe, the jiu-jitsu competition. And it's brutal, like horrible. But it, it, this conditioning is amazing. It's so, like so good. But uh, it, like, I, I would I have no it. interest in ever rowing. It's so stupid. I like, think it's, it's so hard. It's <laughs> meant, like it's crazy because like, like I just did it and I'd sit on a, on a rowing machine for like an hour and a half and think that's fine. But now I sit on a rowing machine. I've not sat on one for ages. But if I did, I'd be like five minutes in, like, holy crap! Like this feels like that. That would feel like an hour to me now. I think so. It's, it's like awful. It it kind of made me think, like, geez, that not only physically how trained I was, but mentally, like, to endure stuff like that. I, I definitely was a lot tougher than I am now. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Getting get into that, well, to be fair, it's like um, when, you know, people have asked me about, like, would I like, ever box again or anything as an amateur? I was like, eh, I'm 36 now. And I'm like, I, I don't have, like, when I was, when I started and I was younger, you would get up at five o'clock in the morning, doesn't matter yeah. what the rain, what, what the weather was, 
you would go and do six miles, eight miles, ten miles, whatever you had to do to get weight down. Or like, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not. It's just it's just not happening. So there will be some young people who will do that, and like I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'll have my slippers on, yeah. on, <laughs> having a yeah. cup of coffee. I'm not doing like, that shit anymore. I used to at one point. It was like five twenty on the water, and that was ridiculous. This is when I lived in Canada, and so it was five twenty on the water. So that obviously meant I was up like maybe. I used to cycle down. It took me like ten minutes. So I would sometimes like put my clothes on, going to bed, <laughs> and, then, and then literally wake up, fall out of bed, and grab like I don't know, like a cereal bar, some bad nutrition, um, and then just like cycle down, jump into my boat, um, and it would be literally be like, don't talk to her right now, just let her do her thing because I was so grumpy. Just sheer anger, um, setting setting world records just with three <laughs> pure anger in the mornings. <laughs> Um, yeah. but I'm like I learned so much from it you know like it, it even now as like an S&C coach like because you obviously it's a conditions based sport so it taught me so much about the different energy systems without even me realizing like how we trained what we were targeting and how to, to do that um so I'm glad I did it I just my back isn't as happy about that though. <laughs> what? How would you? How would you train like uh, as a rower? Like what? What was involved in like weights or anything like that? Or, or you know, was it just purely all rowing? Um. So when I used to row S and C, this is when it was kind of becoming a little bit more popular. So I remember I started at uni. Uh, which quite a lot of people do actually um, and my ex used to take me to the gym but it wasn't like clever s and yeah, I yeah. did okay stuff like he made me squat and he made me do like I remember being taught a stiff leg deadlift and he was like just I remember this it's so weird the things you remember but with this one lift he was like just do it light for today because your hamstrings will hurt and I was like whatever and then <laughs> added stuff on uh, and then died the next day with like the worst hamstring pain but so I remember we used to do stuff but it was it wasn't very good and some mm. of it was like machine based which you know machine based stuff for some things is fine but it wasn't like a structured S&C plan watch which you would get today but we did go to the gym um um, but we did a lot of like circuit based stuff as well which is kind of like old fashioned S&C mm -hmm. basically yeah. um, but most of the time like to be a good rower you have to spend hours on the water so it's like training every day sometimes twice at the weekends like two to three sessions sometimes um, so it's just about the mileage um, yeah. which yeah that's that's what most of the injuries come from it's like overuse injuries yeah which then hopefully the S&C will help to reduce. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah. Sounds, uh, it sounds like, um, it sounds a little bit like cycling where you just have to be on a bike constantly. Yeah, yeah, and your, it is. Your butthole kills you, it's not nice. Sorry. I was going to say, we talked to this not that long ago. Who was it with? I don't know who it was. Maybe Matt Vincent, actually. And, uh, you know, when I did the Keltman two years ago, 2019, I forgot my padded shorts on my bike. It was, I, it was, oh. I was like 100 miles in, and it was like, I, I can't sit on this anymore. 
I have to go off now, please. Uh, wasn't wasn't so yeah. I don't uh, same same kind of idea. You have to spend hours on a bike, and it's just not nice. Yeah. <laughs> it just was. There's a certain yeah. level of psycho to that kind of thing. Um, yeah, rowing, you could get like bum blisters and stuff. Like <laughs> that's that. Like I used to get it. And there's two places you could get it. <laughs> Why do you think that's so funny? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the two main areas is like you know, like your coccyx. Uh-huh. So like from like swaying back and forth, like on mm-hmm. the, the rowing seat, that has got like a little bit that sticks up at the back that basically yeah. fits your bum cheat. Um, but row. All, going back and forth on that, you you can get like a blister on your coccyx. That's where I used to get my blister. But some people used to get blisters on like their butt bones. So like if they had a little bit less cushioning, they'd get like butt bone blisters, which I think was worse. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, that's like that was some of the gross things. It's funny, like these things that you would never know as a non-rower. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like those uh, it's like the ones that row across the Atlantic and they end up nearly everyone. I don't know if it's just a fetish thing or if they all insist it's proper bro signs, but they always talk about like they end up rowing naked because they just get safe to hell with their clothes. Honestly, everyone anyone that ever talks about the Atlantic, so you have to say you have to say to your girlfriend or wife, uh, "I'm going to go away for three months. I'm going to be with the guys in the middle Atlantic naked." Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's bro science. It's bro science. You don't get you don't get butt blisters if you're naked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I never rode naked, so <laughs> I wasn't that dedicated. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, you haven't yeah. been in the Atlantic yet. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, there's loads of things like that. I used to get um, shin bites, like slide bites as well, which is like down the side of your shin from like the metal railing that you slide your seat on and stuff. Yeah, that was all gross. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, there we go. Horrible, horrible blisters from Rowan. That's something mm-hmm. I didn't know. I told, you, I told you this never ends up the way you think it would end up. <laughs> I know. By 20 uh, past 11, we've covered dick stories and bars and blisters on your butt from Rowan. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. This uh, is an it's songs of praise on BBC One. Yeah, there's no much. Not much choice. <laughs> don't want to watch a politics show. I've got to clear about uh, bum blisters. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So what? What? Um, who's are you? Uh, are you working with a a GB fencer? Is that right? So I've got Let's a few that. people I'm working with right now. Yeah. So um, down here. I with the university we have, I don't know if you've heard of TAS before um probably haven't because I hadn't when I was in Scotland it's um a talented athlete scholarship scheme so it's a it's basically a development program for um athletes trying to make or they might be GB but they also might be on the cusp of it or they might be um aiming for it and be like a junior or something like that um so I've got I've got an GB judo athlete that I'm working with there which is really cool um she's involved with the GB setup so I actually just kind of take her for her sessions and she's got her own program which um is like is ace she's amazing she's like tiny and a like a little you know a little terrier she's like so strong we do yeah. know because we have we have done uh, because sorry because me and Ali both do jiu-jitsu. There's some guys oh. come from we come from we uh, both do jiu-jitsu for 
what about three or four years now, um, and there's some judo people come in to train uh, sometimes, and it's like the grip strength is f- yeah. like on a it's like weird. It's like they grab your collar and it's like whoa. What yeah. the f- I don't know what they do. You can tell me what they do, but it's, it's weird. Super See, weird. Her training partner is actually a jiu-jitsu girl, um, uh-huh. and she they kind of told me a few of the differences. Um, I'm not an expert in that yet because I've not been coaching her uh, that long but she's she's just because obviously it's so much body weight stuff she's just so strong like she weighs about I think she fights in the under 51 I think that's her category so she's small but she's squatting over 100 like Mm. she's strong yeah she's there so it's over double body weight that she squatted out for reps before Christmas um and like bench press she's like repping out like 1.5 body weight easy and it she's yeah she's ace so for me that's um also like some really fun videos for instagram <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah as, um, you know, <laughs> posting the highlights um, how what, what like don't give away somebody's somebody's entire training plan but how, how do you train like a judo fighter in terms of an yeah. snc coach yeah it's not really it's not kind of giving away secrets really i think i've not written her program but i'm about to start writing her pro the program for her training partner um for me like it's for any athlete i first want to make sure like they've got movement competency so Mm. um basic movement patterns like your squat push pull hinge like brace rotate like all those kind of things I know already that she's a pretty good mover because she's been training in the gym on her own program at the same time. Um, But now she just wants a little bit more specific. So my goal is to first get her as strong as I can. Um, It's a bodyweight sport. So if she's not even like benching bodyweight, then that's, you know, for me, that's pretty, she needs to do that. Like if she's got someone on top of her or something, she needs to be able to push a bodyweight off um especially if it's a bodyweight sport because obviously they're gonna it's gonna be her body weight on top of her (laughs) so even just something simple like that like I need to get her strong enough to be able to do that so it's basic strength um basic lifts like squats bench deadlift but might maybe add in some pin variations like Mm. floor press or um like static strength lifts where you've got to initiate um mm. you know from a pause position yeah. which is kind of like what they'll be doing um so it could be like pause squat or like a pin squat or like i said with bench press it might be a pause variation or like a floor press kind of stuff like that um pendley rows like really bent over in a position they can lift strong mm. but as well as like just that like i'm going to be putting in like Chloe doesn't have this Chloe's lifts are mostly strength based but that's maybe just the philosophy of her coach um Mm. I still will go kind of around the way of like I want to hit multiple um I can't think today I think it's because it's a Sunday (laughs) my words are all jumbling (laughs) It's a Sunday at half past 11 and of course normally you'd be in church so you're thinking about the, the yeah, Google. <laughs> <I could> be. <laughs> um, um, so yeah I want to think about her being explosive as well 
So mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of put Olympic lifts in there as well. Yeah, um, that's that's where I was going to go because there's a lot of throws. You know, it's a very throw-based um, sport. So, you know, there has to be something like that explosive because um, that's where it, like, it doesn't, like, it's one of those things with, with, with judo. So jiu-jitsu takes some judo. Jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu comes from judo, essentially. Um, but the, the, the throwing element is one of those things where it, it like, you get people who, you know, again, the bro science guys who, who think, you know, they've never thrown me. And then you get like a little girl like that who's 50 kilos. Would she could throw, throw I think, them, anyone. <laughs> throw them. And it, like, we've, yeah. like I say, we've trained with, you know, our, our friend Jim who trains, he was a, a, a judo black belt. And Jim is 65 kilos. And it doesn't make sense, like how strong he is. He's a fireman as well. So he's obviously, you know, face, you know, kind of get that brute strength about him. It doesn't make sense. Like these ability to throw me is like what yeah. the fuck just happened? And yeah. it but people don't understand like that ability is is, is staggering. Yeah. Um so that's something that I've always been interested in, like in terms of that. Um that she throwing ability. She used to grow up on she grew up on a farm. Oh, um, okay. Which is something I learned. Yeah, it's something I learned like maybe in the past couple of weeks. And um because we were just talking about how she is, she's naturally strong, like she obviously has worked up very hard for being how strong she is but she's naturally one of those strong athletes as well and um but she's she's made the comment about yeah like i think probably from a young age like i was throwing hay bales and stuff and yeah. it's like do you know naturally from yeah. from that young age like things that she yeah. did it, like working on a farm if you're actually helping out it's tough like hard work yeah, yeah. so yeah she's been she was brought up with that like it's kind of like nature nurture kind of like thing she's been mm. in an environment that has kind of developed yeah. her really well yeah there's a lot to be said for that the way you know the way you grow up if you if you're lifting heavy things and <clears throat> doing a lot of yeah. manual things as you're younger you, you'll grow up to be strong mm. um but yeah so what what about um what about yourself claire what do you do you have anything planned for yourself anything fun exciting endurance or any more because you did some like bodybuilding well, i don't know what you, i don't know i don't yeah. understand bodybuilding but you did like some i would say bodybuilding but it's like this it different is class bodybuilding as a whole but yeah i was okay. in the figure category okay. um yeah i did that when so I, I was rowing and then when i i quit rowing basically when i was doing my masters and you know i realized that i wasn't going to be the GB rower I thought I was <laughs> um, and that I had to focus on like my career um, and the hours that I couldn't put into rowing because I was putting into like internships and like kind of get experience I was like what can I do so that's what kind of brought me into um, doing like bodybuilding um, mm. the environment I was in at the gym I worked at was really easy for me to train um, like it would have been hard for me with my lifestyle to have done any other sport at that point because it was so irregular whereas doing something like that you know I could fit it in whenever I needed to yeah. um, and it was probably mentally as hard and physically as hard as what rowing had been which is what I liked mm. um, and I'd actually mentally say it was harder because it wasn't like with rowing you could switch off like when you weren't there um but with bodybuilding it you know obviously like diet consumes you 
as well as the physical side and then like mentally being able to keep pushing through and not eat a jar of peanut butter was like <laughs> was harder <laughs> so yeah that, I did that. That, that, that's, that's, this is why i'm not a bodybuilder <laughs> <laughs> why i'm not anymore um, I, I i'm glad i did it and i learned a lot and like I was addicted which is which was my personality at the time like I was addicted to rowing and then I got addicted to this and um it was good and nutrition wise I learned a lot which was probably good for me it's probably one of the biggest things I took out from it is how much it upped my nutrition game and also relating to other females I know it sounds weird but like with rowing because you do so much like I was always used to kind of like eating what I wanted and like I, I was generally the same physique for most of that time like I fluctuated a little bit because of the training that you go through like throughout the period but I was never like had issues with my body but then going into bodybuilding it, it's the first time I probably properly dieted like ever and um, like it also was just hard like and then you started to view your body differently and then coming out of it that was awful like that's probably why I wouldn't do it again because coming out the other side when you've been like so lean and then you add on like a pound and you're like I'm fat like <laughs> it <laughs> mentally was so hard um, but that was probably the first time I related to like people having issues with body weight mm. so it was also that was really good for me to then understand like being scared of the scale or being scared of like different foods or um, so obviously it's a, it's not a very nice thing to go through but it was very good for me to have been through it like it's all fine like it's, there's nothing there but yeah I think that was a good experience for that mm. um but I wouldn't do it again <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those sports where I've just never I have never understood I guess like people would say the same thing about boxing like why would you get punished in the fucking mouth why, why would you do that I just I've just never understood bodybuilding I just mm. I don't I don't... I, I, I didn't see an appeal to it before I just wanted to do something and yeah. I, I'm glad that yeah like I'm glad and it was fun while I was doing it like the journey to stage was actually really fun and it gave you something to focus on yeah um but that's not me anymore and I don't know what I'd like I've trained like a weightlifter I've trained like a powerlifter but I've never competed in any of them so mm. that would potentially be something I'd maybe want it'd be, it'd be to cool do fun. yeah it's also, it's also good as well when you know if that's your career like to do these things to understand like all the little intricate details that you yeah. may overlook if you hadn't competed yeah it's probably worthwhile something you know and it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun just to do a bit of everything yeah i, I like using fun. myself as a test subject mm. so it is like so i have followed weight specific like weightlifting programs like clean jerk um snatch kind of based stuff and i have been coached by a powerlifter been coached by a bodybuilder um being coached by snc and i think i've learned a lot from all of these things um so I kind of wanted to go back to um, like netball or karate. I, I was, 
I wanted something away from the gym, but then mm. COVID came, so I've not been able to should, do that. Should um, uh, you should you should do some uh, judo or jiu-jitsu with your with your uh, clients, students, what would you call yeah. them? What's the word so, I'm looking for? Why am I so stupid? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you should, you should do one of those sports. They're really good fun, like so yeah. much fun. Jiu-jitsu in particular, like you're saying with Rowan, gets so addictive. Yeah. So addictive. It's the yeah. most fun. And you get to wear a really bright, silly lycra, which you would like. Mm-hmm. I did go to jiu-jitsu when I was in Canada for a few sessions, but I had just, I'd just come back from a shoulder injury, and oh. the, the guy was like, it's probably not the best tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, um, it's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's like the only thing, it's the only sport, I believe, Maybe like professional wrestling, but uh, it's probably the only sport where you could where you could be a middle aged man and wear like really. Ali has like unicorn rash guards and <laughs> smashing spats and all sorts of stupid <laughs> shit. I, I have two sets of unicorn rash guards. And <laughs> I have I have one in fruit salad colours of pink, yellows, and oranges, and one in more of a a kind of blue, yellow, and green pattern. So. Like uh, well, there's there's gee and no geese jitsu. Uh, uh-huh. I, I genuinely thought you said, I thought you were gay. And I'm like, <laughs> like, like, that doesn't make it sound don't, not gay. Don't, don't tell Sandra. Um, I know. Yeah, no, the, so, yeah, the, so you get gay and <laughs> um, Well, after yeah. you've just been talking about your wife and kids. Yeah, and then, uh, and then talking about wearing unicorns, and you're like, but I thought you were gay. I was like, what, wearing unicorns doesn't make you gay? Like, <laughs> that's a weird correlation to make. Who do you think he knows about the roars in the Atlantic? Yeah. <laughs> I've got an extensive DVD collection. Naked, naked Rowan in the Atlantic 27. <laughs> in, in answer to your question, there's both the gi and the no-gi side of it. Um, so the rash guards are for the no gi, and then obviously the gi is for the gi. And so the gi, so gi, yeah, I, I made a... Uh, a tie dye rash guard. So I've got a, uh, sorry, a tie dye gi. So I've got a tie dye gi for jiu jitsu. I suggested uh, that to my fencer, and she was like, "I don't want to ruin like a thousand pound cost. Like her things cost a ruin lot." Ruin it? Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing. Uh, maybe it's not a thousand, but like I bought a really cheap gi. I think it was like sixty pounds, and yeah. just bought some like, like. <laughs> you know, people are like, why Why do you have a child's tie-dye set? Um, because I'm tie-dying a gi. And they just look at you, you know, you're, you're 34. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, yeah, you get gi and no gi jiu-jitsu. Um, so this is where, quite interesting because like gi jiu-jitsu is more like judo, pretty judo yeah. base, and then no gi jiu-jitsu is kind of more like wrestling. Oh. Um, so kind of t- kind of go down that route, so it's super interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, you, yeah, no gi jiu jitsu is so much fun, so much fun. Um, so I would I would highly recommend something like that. Yeah, see, I like kicking heads, so <laughs> like <laughs> that's why I liked karate and like I did a bit of muay thai for a while. And taekwondo and i just so that's why i kind of like want to go back to maybe one of them because i just i really like kicking i was gonna say you can take the girl out of scotland <laughs> 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 uh, 
Claire just used to wander the streets on a Saturday night, just kicking people just in the head. People in the head, bush. <laughs> <laughs> but because she's nice, she used to apologise and, and phone them an ambulance afterwards. Yeah, put them in the recovery position. <laughs> <laughs> left, left a card for the self-defence courses. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I think uh, Muay Thai would be cool. Um, I've never tried any, but it seemed like it'd be cool to to kick things really hard. Um, I, like I did karate for years. I did a little bit of taekwondo when I first started, but I switched to karate because when I went to uni, the taekwondo club, they were just a bit, they were knobs. So I, I didn't stay. <laughs> and I went to the karate club and they were ace. And I'm like, I'm still friends with some of them. Um, like they're really lovely people. And then I did a little bit of Muay Thai just out of interest. And um, obviously they've got different styles, and that's like in karate. Like when I started the Muay Thai, he was like, "Stop kicking! Like stop flicking!" Because like in karate, it's like uh, you've got to show the pullback when you contact to get yeah. the points. So it's more of like a target, almost like a sport. Okay. Like boom, and you're done. Right. Whereas like Muay Thai, he was like, "Just kick through me." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so then it's about driving everything through yeah. and i just like it was really i don't know i i loved it because like karate was cool because you're like getting targets and getting points and it was like it was almost pretty whereas muay thai when you went to that it was really like i remember yeah. my friends i was kicking her with a pad and the next day she's like claire i'm bruised <laughs> i was like sorry yeah <laughs> that's it's just so different and it's, yeah it's, like Karate is like a point-based system with Muay Thai. You're you're trying to knock a bitch out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not saying like people. karate. If you're really powerful, you definitely could probably do that. But Muay Thai, it was yeah, it was like obviously in the fights, it's different. It's like yeah, the, the objective yeah. is the objective is to hurt people. Yeah, so I never <laughs> I never competed in that because I didn't. What, I didn't want to ruin my face. Like, what sucks? <laughs> what, yeah, I wasn't worried about that when I boxed. It was already ruined. Uh, what, what sucks in those sports is it's like really fun to hit things really hard, but then you remember that people can also hit you really hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, uh-huh. that's, what it, that's what it That's what it becomes not so much fun. Um, but yeah, you should, de- you should definitely try. Like, martial arts are so good. So it's good fun. for everybody. It's so good for people's confidence and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Um, ev- everyone that does it always says, I wish I'd started 10 years earlier. Eh? Yeah. 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 Definitely when your body's not all broken, when it's like 18 and you've made a magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you look at, like, look at like Aaron, because eh? Aaron started at 14, 15, and he's still like bend his anything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, a lot to be said for starting young, but like, we're old and broken and wake up in the morning. And if something doesn't hurt, I'm like, what the fuck's wrong? Maybe I'm dying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, but yeah. So like um, I think we've like like an hour. I think we've done it. We've we done an hour. Yeah. Five minutes. We're on. I heading on towards hour. I'm running out of intelligent things to say, like I usually do. <laughs> um, it's always me that runs out of intelligent things to say. No, but, right. um, the only but, thing yeah. I wanted to, to double into clear just very briefly on the the sports science side of things, because I did my sports sciences obviously a, a, a good while before you did yours, but. Um, you did your master's in strength and conditioning at Edinburgh, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, what kind of led you down the path of going fully into the strength and conditioning masters? Was it just so you could specialise in that field versus nutritional biomechanics, or what kind of led you down there? Yeah, I think like obviously I went in after that course 
thinking, okay, I want to do SNC. And then I did as much experience on the side as I could, working with different teams. Um, and then this is when masters started be to become basically the new undergrad. Like everyone had them, and now everybody basically does. And now a PhD is becoming that. And so I think for me, a masters was like the next obvious step. But specifically in SNC, I think it, it was just like I knew I wanted to be an SNC coach by this point. Um, and there weren't many SNC masters. I think there was a, maybe two, three down in England, and Edinburgh was the only one. Um, so I, I'd applied for Loughborough and Edinburgh, and I got I got into both. But okay. I also got a internship with. Glasgow Warriors so for me I was like well I'm going to stay in Edinburgh because yeah. like obviously that's a great opportunity and if I'd gone to Loughborough I'm sure something would have come up but I didn't know if it would so yeah that's basically why I went to Edinburgh and like I feel like my whole journey has I've been very lucky and I think I entered the field at a very good time because it wasn't as big so there was less people like now there's so many snc courses there's so yeah. many undergrads and masters it's very diluted it's very it's harder for people to get noticed yeah. um and i actually feel like there might be people that are coming through that are better quality because of the access that you get to information now and stuff you know like some of the students that i work with i'm like they're so good um like the drive and stuff like it's really good to see but it's just harder for them um yeah. so I think yeah like I did that and it that's when I then went to do my institute internship okay. and then I got a job from it and I met Gil during my master's as well and that he then like kind of mentored me through my accreditation and that was like the start of everything and it all just fell into place I got my mm. first S&C job with the Scottish Institute which was huge I'd done S&C with other smaller teams and stuff so it wasn't my first thing that would have been silly <laughs> but as you know I'd coached a lot before that um but that was my first like proper role um which I felt like was a big hurdle and then um yeah it just all kind of spiraled from there which is really does it um like it seems now just because you kind of touched on it briefly but it seems now like like I see things on Facebook now, it's like everybody's like, I hate, I hate the term PT now. Like I hate that term PT because it, it feels like everybody's a PT because they did like a, like a twelve week course, and it's yeah. it feels like um it feels like people lose sight of that like to what you're doing. Like it feels like people don't understand the difference between yeah, like that's... this really easy PT course and like fifteen years of studying to do you know proper proper strength and conditioning yeah that that's an area that is trying to be addressed by the UKCA um because it is like a sore point for a lot of um coaches when you know we have done undergrads masters internships like accreditations um and not you know I am of I am I, I am what am I trying to say I think people have their own journey and I don't think everybody mm. needs to go to university to be who they are and to be successful. Like I feel like everybody's different, 
but I think with S and C, I think it um, they're trying to go down the route of it becoming like a protected um, title. So oh, like, okay. You know, like how like nutritionist and dietitian. Yeah, like how I couldn't just call myself a doctor. Like that would be silly. <laughs> I <But> do. Why is... <laughs> but why is it okay for someone to call themselves like an S and C coach? What's not been really protected yet, and um, it is an issue in the whole field with like um, physio, sports therapy, S and C, PT, nutrition, diet. They're all so linked that things cross over and I just don't think there's clear guidelines of where you should stop yeah. um and I'm, yeah I, I see so many people um sorry I, I see so I'm many doing. like people who who are doing you know like and it's not to hate on anybody for what they're doing like everybody's doing their own thing but like I, I, you know I know and it's usually girls who get conned into these things and it's like they're working with a PT and it's like they've got the one like a thousand calories a day and it's like oh yeah like yeah they're, they're working me so hard and you go this is really stupid and dangerous like this, this is yeah. a terrible road to go down um so it's, it it's is, kind of like a dangerous thing yeah it's I think yeah it, it is, isn't it? Do you know, people are just trying to make money, like by making courses that, you know, take six weeks and they get a thousand pounds from one person who's paying that and then they're qualified to do whatever they want. But um, it, I don't know, it is frustrating. Mm. <laughs> I, think, trying... I think if they get protected term, well, sorry, Claire, it will make a massive difference if they get yeah. pro protected terms because my friend that went to uni at the same time as me she ended up doing a dietetics ended up as like a, a qualified dietitian and she was having the same problem back then that people were doing like six week online sports nutrition courses yeah. and the way she described it as her dietitian degree and and she went on and did a master's she said if you compare it like you were saying to sort of claim yourself as a doctor if she's saying dietitian is like dentist as that six week sports nutrition course is to a toothologist. Like you could you can't call yourself I'm gonna call myself a toothologist because I can't claim I'm a dentist. But people don't make that distinction between, as you're saying, yeah. nutritionists, sports therapists, massage therapists, physiotherapists, yeah. you know, a, a proper decent strength and conditioning coach. It all just gets folded into one. Yeah. It's like one of my students actually asked me, he was like, Can I call myself an S and C coach now? because um, you're on our undergrad course and um I was like like actually like I was like can like yeah like I was like technically anyone can call themselves an S&C coach but he was like can I advertise myself as one or do I have to wait until I'm like graduated and certified and do you know what? I'd want to say yeah you have to wait until you're graduated and certified but actually like you can call yourself that, uh, which is very frustrating. Um, I mean, I know he's good and he's on the route to be a good coach, but there's people that have called themselves that, that they don't even know what essence is compared to, mm. like, I, I think there's that confusion of what essence is. And a lot in the fitness industry, I feel like people think essence is um, strength training and that's it. And it is because the first word is strength like but they don't understand the conditioning 
and the conditioning you know like as an snc coach like it's not only strength training like you know you're in the gym you're doing strength you're doing mobility flexibility but you're also doing speed agility um like anaerobic aerobic like mm. I've got like so like working with Bristol City right now the football team I'm doing pitch based stuff with their warm-ups I'm looking at plyometric speed agility like top speed high speeds like all of these like GPS like all of these things come into that S&C kind of role when I think that's it's, it's super like um it feels like it's super disrespectful to somebody to think that they're doing the same thing as you when you're doing all these things and there's so many moving parts and it becomes so complicated that to understand that you have to have done like what you've done for somebody just to go yeah i'm a certain business coach because i can teach you how to deadlift so yeah exactly you know I mean? <laughs> like there's super, a reason yeah. there's a degree for it because yeah it takes that many years to go through all of the information and it's not even it's it's the layers of information as well so it's like the first years you're giving them the knowledge of the different areas the second years you're like giving them the ability to maybe assess certain things in these areas and coach certain things and then it's on top of that it's being able to like troubleshoot things as well so it's like it, it's there's so much and there's a reason it takes that that's just the start of it as well and then you've got mm. the accreditation with all of those things you've got to do for that and even then like you're still not you don't know everything like it, yeah this is frustrating yeah super frustrating um but then you know on the on 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 the side of giving yourself uh like titles uh i i <laughs> when, when uh what are you, you about to up? say? Well, I'm just laughing because it's funny. It's in my head. It's so funny, but it's probably not even funny. But when you, you know, when you sign up for accounts for different whatever it is for, like, um, <laughs> it's like Screwfix Direct or whatever. Like you can give yourself titles, and I always give myself like I'm like professor. I've got one that's captain. I've got one that's <laughs> reverend. So every time I go on something, I always say, oh, um, yeah, Professor Chris, and I'm like, what the hell, Screwfix? It's just like <laughs> a, a, it's a hardware date. store. It's just a hardware store. <laughs> Did you just say it sounds like a weird dating site? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's not that at all. Um, uh, no, it's just, it's just hardware. I promise it's just hardware. Uh, but, yeah, I give, give myself these titles all the time because I'm an asshole. Yeah. I'm a reverend and some of them, and I'm a captain and a professor and... Like, I want to do a PhD and part of the appeal to that is like the fact you can be a doctor obviously I would not spend <laughs> six years or whatever doing something just for that but it is a, it is a cool it is an appeal would, to be like I think, I think you would <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think you would I think you would and then you would just, then you would just go about with your, your white coat on all the time <laughs> with with your mug, with your uh, with your uh, Disney mug. <laughs> Ross from Friends. Yeah. I'm a doctor. <laughs> doctor. Oh, and then you could use the line, "I didn't spend six years studying to be called Mrs. or Miss." Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> doctor. Just 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 walking up by people in the supermarket and whispering in their ears that you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Ah <laughs> oh, dear, uh, right. I, I've, actually, I don't have anything. I don't have anything intelligent to say anymore. I've, uh, I've run out of things to say, intelligent things to say. But um, yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. Thank you, thank you very much for 
for uh, for doing it, and uh, hopefully we don't suck too badly. But um, yeah, it was good, yeah, good thanks fun. Thanks for having me. No worries. Just just before we wind up fully down, Claire, Chris has mentioned already that you have the best Instagram stories on the whole Instagram platform. So so we can no send pressure. people so no we pressure. can send people your way. What's your Instagram or any other social media you want to shout out? And we'll add this in our notes and we'll tag it in the video as well for you. Um my Instagram, I actually changed it. I don't know if I like it. I changed it a while ago. It's just Claire underscore Tracy underscore coach. Um and my Facebook is Claire Tracy Fitness is my fitness page. Um I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use it as much. But if they what if they're active on Twitter, it's CI Tracy 86. But I usually just share stuff on there. I'm not very good at it. That makes me feel better because one of the one of the I was going to say one of the random Skype accounts I messaged was CI Tracy eighty six, so that was one of your own Skype accounts that I messaged. So that's fine. That's one of them I don't have to worry about getting random messages through. Yeah, yeah. 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 Best on Instagram if people want information and stuff. It's, it's the funniest when you have uh, with all your friends and you've got your own little girl gang thing going on and you're, you're all silly. It's funny. Super oh, me? Funny. Yeah. Oh, all right. your different friends. All so, so so like I'm very childish and uh, <laughs> I giggle. Maybe nobody else will laugh, but I giggle. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> I try to like I try to keep it lighthearted. Like I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I think maybe I should be really serious on these pages because of who might follow me like mm. potential bosses or something like that but I also am like but I'm still a person I'd rather pe- people followed like a person than like information yeah. so yeah no but you know what like one of the things is when you're doing something for like a long period of time so obviously you're going to have your Instagram for a very long time right so it's like doing this podcast you, you can't you can't like put an act on for a long period of time you just have to be yourself yeah yeah you could try and have your instagram and try and be all serious and stuff but that's not who you are you can't do that yeah constantly you know you can't speak to somebody for an hour and be anything other than yourself because it's just exhausting so you just have to be who you are and hopefully people like that and if they don't then you fucking kick them in the head yeah exactly (laughs) i will (laughs) um but yeah, uh, yeah, that was uh, it was good fun. So, thank you very much for your time, and yeah, uh, well. you have a, a lovely Sunday. You too. Indeed. Thank Episode you. fifty of the Silly Goose Game with Claire Tracy. Let's call it done and dusted. The Silly Goose Gang Podcast. <laughs>